every single human being that I have counseled in my practice has come to me lost to their authentic self, asking, where does this pain come from? And each time I have to give them the tragic, sad, profound truth of our reality, that they were born into unconsciousness. And because of this unconsciousness, their entire life will be predicated on a foundation of unworthiness and fear until they radically awaken. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Are you ready to radically awaken? What does it mean to radically awaken? As a clinical psychologist, I work with a plethora of wounded souls who come wondering why they are incessantly burning from within and don't understand the cause of this pain. And with each, I have to remind them that although they imagined that their life would be a linear path to a golden destination, sadly, life isn't about that at all. Life is about one thing only, a death and a rebirth. A death of what? A death of our old self and a rebirth into our own new whole authentic self. So you may wonder why? Why is life about a death and a rebirth? We were already born. We were born once and we will die once. So why must we go through this constant rebirthing? Well, the answer is tragic. It is simple. It is true. And it is profound. The sad, tragic, profound truth is this. For some inexplicable reason, we live on this earth in this dimension where unconsciousness is the diet. And because we on this dimension are not yet conscious, and I will explain what that means, we raise our children with a deep-rooted sense of fear and unworthiness. All across the board, it doesn't matter what race you are, whether you're born in Morocco or in New Zealand. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're white. It doesn't matter if you're tall or you're skinny or you have green eyes. It doesn't matter. Every single human being that I have counseled in my practice has come to me lost to their authentic self, asking, where does this pain come from? And each time I have to give them the tragic, sad, profound truth of our reality, that they were born into unconsciousness. And because of this unconsciousness, their entire life will be predicated on a foundation of unworthiness and fear until they radically awaken. So from where I sit as a therapist, 
working with brokenness after brokenness, I can tell you that if you were to ask me, what is the purpose of life? I can only say one unequivocal truth about it. We are here to die onto our unconscious, old, unworthy self in order to reclaim and rebirth our wholeness and our most empowered inner truth. This is not given to us in childhood. Whether you like it or not, no parent gives it to their children. Damn it. You would think, oh, Dr. Shivali, maybe you gave it to your children. No, I did not. And it is because I saw myself as a mother vomiting the unconscious wounds of my childhood. By the time my daughter was three, that I knew that I needed to radically awaken. And that is when I began working seriously on a mission to introduce conscious parenting into my own life and into the lives of those I touch. It is because each one of us is bequeathed with largesse from our parents, an inheritance of emotional pain, that we have no choice no matter how smart you are and how sexy you are, that you will be inheriting emotional legacies of shame, fear, and unworthiness. Just take it as a given. I've already saved up money for my child's therapy because I will hear about this when she wakes up to the fact that I have given her legacies of my shame, unworthiness, and fear. And I have no guilt about it per se because I am humble to my own unconsciousness. Guilt is hidden narcissism. Guilt says I shouldn't have been unconscious. Humility says I had no choice. This is the sinister truth of our dimension. Each child comes full, ready to claim their power, ready to own their destiny. You did too. You were ready to own your sovereign ownership over your truth. You were ready. You came knowing. You came knowing. You came connected. You came joyful. You came empowered. How do I know this? Because watch any infant. They are truly in their source, in their own inner power, connected. Because they are unconditioned. They are not yet conditioned by our unconsciousness. But then within days, within minutes, the grandparents come and they ask, who does it look like? What should we name it? What is its personality? Oh, I think this one has gone after his mother. This one has her nose. I can tell that she's going to be a stubborn one. And the projections that I call vomit from our unconscious past begin to be spewed and sprayed like air freshener in the nursery onto the child. And the child suckles its mother's breast and thinks that it is taking in nutritious milk. But little does that infant know, no, it is sucking all the unconscious legacies of that belief system that is unexamined within the parent the parents' unexamined belief systems. If you ask me what is the greatest toxicity in our world today, 
I will not tell you it is terrorism or global warming. Those are symptoms. The real cause is the unconscious, unexamined belief systems that lie insidiously, sleeping monsters in our mind. And it is those that the infant suckles innocently taking in its diet, its nutrition, little knowing that with every suckle, with every absorption, what its brain is contorting itself to. Its brain is adapting. It's understanding, oh, I will not be accepted as I am. I will not be able to just be my own being. The infant begins to understand on a subconscious level that who it is as it is intrinsically, innately, will be annihilated, will be denied, will be suppressed. And in its authentic space will be a replacement, will be a surrogate, will be a proxy of the false self. And the infant very young grows into the toddler, chronologically rising to its challenge of its biology, but psychologically adapting, mutating, morphing to the unexamined, unconscious legacies of the belief systems of its family. How to be a girl, a boy, how to be good, how to be bad, how to be pretty, how to be successful, how to be intelligent, how to be worthy, how to belong. Institution after institution in its life will dictate how it will exist. The child understands early that who it is, as it is innately, implicitly, will not be good enough. It must do in order to be accepted. It must perform, it must achieve, it must please. And therein, the child realizes that its true self needs to be kept aside. And so it is with each one of us. We left our true selves, like in that video, I left my teddy bear on the shores of Mumbai long, long ago. Little knowing that my entire life was becoming an adaptation of someone else's story, someone else's movie. I didn't know. I just thought, I'm just so sweet. I'll just keep pleasing. I didn't know that I lived with this morbid sense of unworthiness that I had to prove myself. But here I was, as we are, we march onto adulthood thinking this is just who we are. We didn't see that we had to wear the mask of pleaser. We didn't see that we had to wear the mask of super achiever. We didn't see ourselves wearing the mask of rebel. So mask after mask after mask, we suppress, suppress, suppress our inner knowing. And then one day, whatever that day is for you, that is called the day of the grand reckoning, or as therapists like to call it, rock bottom. Everything falls apart. But you think your life is coming to a calamitous end but it isn't. Things have to fall apart. They must fall apart because what is falling apart is the shell, is the mask, is the inauthentic self, is the false self of your ego. You see, when we are born, this whole beautiful being that learns early that who it is on its own is unworthy, it begins to create protection. It creates defenses one after the other so that it can get the love and approval and worth 
It asks, it begs, am I lovable? Do I fit in? Do you adore me? Am I valid? Do I exist? And anytime it doesn't get the right answer, it adapts through the wearing of a mask. Each human that I have encountered in my therapist's office wears many, many masks. And the sad truth is, we don't even know we are. We don't know we are asleep in the matrix because the grand seduction that occurs in childhood occurs so young when we are so innocent, so absorbent that we do not know that we are being abducted. We do not know that we are being divorced from our inner truth. The first divorce happens when we are the most innocent and then we just keep betraying ourselves. And we don't realize that when we forsake our inner authenticity for the crumbs of love and worth from anyone who will give us pennies, we are actually declaring the greatest act of war against ourselves. We do not realize that, but we keep engaging in betrayal, self-betrayal after self-betrayal, ignoring who it is we truly are. So then when we hit what therapists call rock bottom, we think it is calamitous. We think it is a failure. We think that it is a dead end. It is shameful. Little do we realize that this is the absolute necessity. As a therapist, I have to tell you that I wait for it. I wait for rock bottom. I send people home and I say, no, no, no. You haven't hit rock bottom yet. Come back to me when it's more painful. Right now, you're just complaining. And they're like, no, I really want to change. I'm like, no, you really want to complain. No, you don't want to change. Because change, if you really wanted to change, what you're really saying is I'm ready to die. And very few of us are ready to die because we're so deeply attached to the masks. Even if the masks cause us pain and make us hide and make us suffer, it is the only life we know. And in that life, we created memories. In that life, we had relationships, however dysfunctional. Are you telling me, Dr. Shafali, we need to give that up in order to radically awaken? And the answer, tragically, profoundly, complexly, is yes. In order to change, in order to transform, we must say goodbye to the old self. But the old self has deep attachments. Attachments to what? Attachments to unconscious belief systems, institution of education, the belief systems there, institution of religion, the belief systems there, the institution of work and the ethic of success and the belief systems there, the institution of marriage, parenting, divorce, grandparenting, and it goes on and on, beauty, youth, niceness. I talk about it all in my book. You can buy it. So these institutions are in place because we as a culture have manifested our inner disconnect through these institutions. Every one of these institutions that I have listed are hierarchical, are dualistic. There is a right way and a wrong way, a good way and a bad way, a correct way and an incorrect way, a successful way and a failure way. Each institution contends with sin, with morality, with rightness, with wrongness. These are institutions that reflect our inner schism. Because we grew up disconnected from wholeness, it is quite natural that we have manifested institutions on the external which reflect the schism. 
But because we don't know the schism exists inside, because we don't understand that we are deeply disconnected from our inner essence, from our wholeness that was our right when we were born, we keep succumbing to these institutions, obsequiously genuflecting, begging for love and worth through the education, teacher, teacher, am I good enough? And then God, am I good enough? And then husband, am I good enough? And then children, am I good enough? And then people, and then strangers, and then in work. It just goes, it's an incessantly feeding machine <laughs> and it will never end because the real void is the one within. But we are seeking to assuage that inner void in all the wrong places. And this is how the world turns, my friends. This is how money gets made, how profit gets accumulated and, and the rich go to the bank richer. It is predicated on the initial disconnect on the initial divorce there will be no profit to be made if we were whole within the seeking that comes from a hunger for love and worth makes a lot of money for this capitalist world we live in i often say that parents are the greatest pawn for capitalism because nothing attacks a parent more then the idea that they are not doing enough for their children. So society keeps feeding parents. Oh, your child only speaks one language. Your child doesn't know 14. Your child doesn't know sign language. And your child only plays with his fingers. He doesn't play an instrument or two. So when the parent, because they are disconnected, because their childhood was unconscious, they are disconnected from their essence that they don't need to do anything to be worthy. They now project this unworthiness onto their children and culture loves it. And culture plays the parent like a harp and the parent responds and feeds, feeds this inner unworthiness by creating their children into products. And the children now, because they're disconnected from their inner worthiness, because they were treated as objects and products, they do it to their children. And so we are here. No human is just lost. No human is just unhappy, just disempowered, or just out of luck. No. They were deeply invaded in childhood. They were marauded from their inner knowing. They were disconnected to their truth, and it occurred before they gave rightful consent. So to radically awaken, to really change, to really transform, means that you need to be willing to dare to go back into your past to recover who you left behind, to go back to pick up that teddy bear off the sidewalks of your childhood and reclaim who you once were. That's what it means to radically awaken. But on your path back, you have to shed. You have to let go. You have to release. You cannot say, I want to change, but I want to stay the same. There is no acute transformation without a grand shedding, a great release. I've had two radical awakenings in my life. After the first, I was egoically uh, superior to think that I was done. I did not know 22 years later I was going to have my second. My first occurred when I was 21 years old and I left India in a hurry the minute I could because I knew that I was being stifled. I had an inner knowing that knew that this was not my place. But what was? I didn't know. I just needed to escape. 
And when I came to the shores of America, I don't know what my luck was, what, what opportunity I was able to take so readily, right? Luck is the meeting of, of readiness with opportunity that I found myself in a Vipassana meditation retreat at the age of 21 agonized, meditating 14 hours a day. I didn't know how to drive, otherwise I would have stolen a car and left. So I was stuck there and I was like, maybe I'll just lose some weight at least. And I was stuck in my ego and stuck in my thinking and stuck in my torture of how to be a good Indian girl. But Vipassana meditation, if you've done it, you will know, has a way of deconstructing you to your knees. And everything I knew about who I was, I watched eviscerate before me just vaporize. And I left the Vipassana meditation retreat dead to my old self. But I did not know how to reintegrate into this life because the, the shoulds from my childhood, the checklist that I had been holding on to still had 45 items left. I was only 21. So although there was a burgeoning sense of inner knowing and a, a truth about the ego, I couldn't stay there. I couldn't stay in the power. I was weak. I was still too young. And so culture robbed me back or I allowed culture to rob me back. And I went back checking, checking, checking. I became a wife and I became a mother and I was like, I'll finish my PhD. And I, and I went on this journey thinking that I can just keep this wisdom to a contained part of me and just avoid it because I so needed validation. I needed to keep checking my list because I was told after item number 72, I will be rich, fit, skinny, and happy. So I was waiting and I was only at item 59. So this wisdom that I was having, I put in my books, I put in my talks, but inside me at home, I was still doing what I knew to do from childhood pleasing, 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 trying hard from, from getting love and worth from anywhere, my neighbors, anyone, the baker. And then one day when my daughter turned around 14 years old, this happens to mothers, you know, when our children discard us and they dare to only treat us as chauffeurs and they don't need us anymore, we are stuck with the epiphany. I do not know who I am anymore. And this happened to me at 44. 22 years after my first death, I realized that I needed to stop. I needed to say no more to my masks, no more to my ego, no more to my pleasing, begging, pleading for love and worth. I needed to end the craving and truly enter who I knew myself to be. This is the point and purpose of each one of your lives is to understand how we have been denying, shaming, denigrating our authentic self and to reclaim that which lies waiting for us underneath the layers of institutions and falsities and attachments. It's lying waiting, bejeweled. It's still there, intact, waiting to be reclaimed. This is the purpose of life. We think it is the PhD and the book and the medal and the gold and the bank account. But that is the illusion, the Maya. That is the seduction. And that is what keeps us in the throes of capitalism, in the throes of hunger. It feeds itself hunger to hunger to hunger. So when you wake up and realize that you've been living in a matrix 
that is eating you from inside. It's a never ending hamster wheel. It's a joke, really. It's hilarious how we just keep going. But we have to have the courage to say, I'm calling. The emperor has no clothes. I am calling it. I'm calling bullshit, bullshit. I'm calling it the matrix. I'm bursting the bubble and I'm going to dare to step out. It takes courage. It takes dying because the very thing you thought you needed was the love and approval and validation of others. But you're willing to say no more. I don't need it anymore. But you're scared. It's terrifying. And you step out of the matrix and you're not, you know, stepping into rose petals. You are stepping into an abyss, into nothingness, into who am I truly? Who am I supposed to be? And you have to endure the no woman's land. You have to endure it. And this is where I see all regressions occur. You know, I see all backtracking, running back. And that's normal. That's normal till the next rock bottom. But if you can understand the narrative, you can understand the journey of the hero, how that no woman's land is important. Without it, you cannot enter the next dimension. So you have to endure it. And that's where you can meditate and get the help of a coach and, and take a course because that's where you will be tested. It is the time of testing. But if you can live through that and you can understand that this is what I need to do, this is what I owe myself, the gift I need to shed, I need to release, I need to say goodbye, I will be okay. Then slowly, inchingly, you come, you come out of the cave and you come to the other side and you can see glimmers, glimmers of something undefined, unknown, but so familiar. And you will know you are coming back home. You're coming back to yourself. Freedom is your destiny. Each human seeks freedom, but they don't realize that the prize of freedom comes at a price. You cannot have freedom when you are enslaved to the old. You cannot have liberation when you are attached to false belief systems. You cannot have wholeness when you are deeply tethered to your brokenness. Freedom is our destiny. It was, it was taken away, and now it awaits you to reclaim it. So each human has to make that decision at their own turning point. But this talk, I hope, will give you the narrative that when you do reach your breaking point, when you do reach the fork in the road, when you do crumble like that mirror, like that glass that shattered, keep that image in your mind. Because when that happens to you, remember, remember that you could possibly be at the precipice, at the crux, at the beginning, at the starting of your most empowered, liberated, free radically awakened self. This is your destiny. So when that moment comes, don't shrink from it. Step into it because you have no idea what awaits you. Thank you for listening. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, 
Take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.